those things are hard. I mean, there's like don't get me wrong with our opioid system. There's there's necessities for some of that stuff, but at the same time, sure, what cannabis can do is is not even being recognized, and and especially in Texas right now. So that's why we had to leave, and that 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 made us medical marijuana refugees. And um, for the yeah. longest time, that term, I just I I hate that term. Um, my 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 wife even tells me today, she's like, I can't believe we ever left Texas, you know what I mean? And yeah. the longest time I, was, I told her, I mean, Jesus himself would have to remove me from Texas. And, and in and of sense, that's, that's, that's kind of what happened, you know what I mean? In the grand scheme of what, 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 what all is there, you know what I mean? Not completely what I believe, but what all is there, so. Welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. In this week's episode, I am joined by a fellow advocate and friend, Glenn Mays, a Texas native. Glenn has worn many hats, but the one that led him into the cannabis industry is father. Glenn's son, Orion, was diagnosed with a neurological disorder at two months old, having previously been certified by the state of Texas to administer pharmaceuticals as a supervisor in a correctional facility. Glenn's knowledge of drugs and their adverse effects motivated his search for a safer medication for his son and led him to become a caregiver for five other Colorado medical cannabis patients. During his time in Colorado, Glenn has worked in the cannabis industry with companies such as The Clear and most recently as general manager of a hemp extraction facility. He is bringing the knowledge he has gained back home to ensure quality products from genetics to post-harvest. Let's meet Glenn and hear his story. Hello, Glenn, and thanks for joining me here on Gramps Place. Hey, Gramps, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing well, man. Doing well. Thank you for the um, introduction and uh, ability to meet you on your podcast. I greatly appreciate it. You bet. We we met online. Uh, I believe you found my my advocacy page on on Facebook. Something has to change, and now, and and you reached out via messenger on Facebook about my son and and his battle with epilepsy. I believe that was about the time you were. We're packing your family up from Texas and moving out there to Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. That would have been, that would have been about 2016. Yeah, because that's that that was right after my son passed away in 2016, and that's when I started that page on Facebook. Yep. Was in June of 2016, right after he passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please introduce your, yourself for our listeners and and tell us a little about your journey to Colorado. Tell us the when and how the fact that this move 
what that's done to your entire family in terms of becoming basically medical refugees within your own country. Uh, wow, uh, we could talk for hours on that right there, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name is Glenn Mays. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Texas. Um, I was uh, born in Abilene, Texas and lived the last 11 years in Ab um, Austin before we moved out here. Um, got a beautiful family, married to Taj, Kyleen. Um, have a wonderful son named Orion, Orion Glenn. He's nine and a, oh golly, that's just weird to say. He's nine and a half now. He'll, actually, he'll be ten uh, in May, so it's a lot quicker than that. Goodness. Mm. Um, and then I have a, a five-year-old, uh, and his name is Sage. So, um, yeah, beautiful family. We, um, we came out here. Let's see. Orion was diagnosed back in oh goodness, that was. Uh, 2012, he was, uh, he was diagnosed. Um, we knew two months in utero that he was going to have some issues. Um, I knew a little bit before then, um, the lady that did the sonogram was my good friend. And she was like, hey, Glenn, um, come by the doctor's office. You know what I mean? I'll let you, I'll get some pictures of your kid. You know what I mean? I'll let you know yeah. um, if he's a boy, if it's a boy or girl, you know what I mean? I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. uh, all that my my um my doctor leaves at noon you know what I, mean? I can come up and get some pictures of you so we went up and got some pictures of him and uh, found out that um he was a boy i was really excited about that um but uh, she was like hey go wash you know tell my wife go wash her belly off you know what I mean? she had all that jelly you know what I mean? she had all that stuff on her yeah and in that 30 seconds uh, that my wife was in the restroom 30 it felt like 30 seconds felt really fast she was like, hey, Glenn, do you have any Down syndrome in your family? Do you have any, you know, oh, this, really? that? Yeah, different neurological issues. And mm. there, there was a certain amount of time whenever she was um, scanning bits of his uh, brain and his right ventricle that my my signals were just going off. I was like, man, she's staying there a little bit too long. You know what I mean? Like there's, she's, she's going really in-depth on that section. You know what I mean? I wonder what it is. What she see? So, um, yeah, so that happened, and we, we, we realized that um, I realized he was going to have some issues. And then uh, about two months after he was born, that's when we could have actually done something. We changed a lot of the diet. We changed a lot of everything that we could. Um, and then at that point, we, we, we decided to do seek other therapies. Um, we decided to... Um, um, I guess put them into different um, um, different uh, studies actually when we went to the um, um, what is it, what is it? Uh, there's a health study that, that goes on at Dell you know what I mean and it's like hey if your kid is really ill you know what I mean they'll put you into mm -hmm. the study but uh, we weren't at that situation you know what I mean so like his um, infectious disease doctor that's who it was his infectious disease doctor was the one that said hey um there's something up here let's let's get them in you know okay we got them in and uh goodness man uh, she she said hey i don't know exactly what's happening here but let's um let's admit your son and then we can do all the tests at once and i was so thankful that she did this she was like let's admit him and uh, please do not put anything else in your son right now as he is like He's very sensitive, and I believe like we'll lose what we have of him neurologically if we introduce anything else. Wow. 
Yeah. So, I mean, she, she, in my opinion, she saved our life. She saved the trajectory of where, where my son could have, could have, could have been headed. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, that, that, that was, and that was, man, that's, that was just the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, whenever he was a year and a half, he had his first seizure. Um, goodness, uh, that was on Christmas and that was, that was earth shattering for me. Um, I know the feeling. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, and I was a, I was a, I was a correction officer for ten years. You know, what I mean, like I'm, 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 I consider my, I was a first responder. I was, I was, um, I was a security coordinator. I was a guy. Whenever they called a cold code or anything like that, it was a riot or anything like that. I was the first one through the door. Yeah, it was kind of I, backup. So I was an EMT for years. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and when. Of course, that was years before my son started having seizures. But uh, it's still, I wasn't. When it's your own kid, you're not prepared for it. It's not prepared. Like you can, you can, like I, I, man, in all those times, I switched into robot mode. You know what I mean? And it was like there was times when there was this robot mode, but there was just like this beast that came along with it as well. You know what I mean? Like. I could not tame that guy, you know what I mean? Like in the in the emotional and logical world at the same time trying to fight, you know what I mean, for, for what's what's real and what needs to be done at what point, you know what I mean? Like, man, you have to really shut your shut shut yourself off sometimes and you know the deal. I mean, I'm speaking to the mm-hmm. choir. This was actually therapeutic for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, yeah. So that started happening. And we looked in the different CBD, different stuff like that, and we realized, okay, we, we, I started reaching out to people like you and, and figuring out what was happening. Um, Alexis Bordell, Dean, and them, they had just took off. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what's what's happening here? You know what I mean? There's something to this. Mm-hmm. And all they would offer me at um, here in Texas was Valium. Mm-hmm. And from my time as a correction officer, I was I was certified to give out medication. Um, and so whenever I, I was certified about medication, I, I learned all about those SSRI inhibitors, you know what I mean? Steroquil, Trileptol, Depakote, yeah. learned all about all that stuff, you know, with Klonopin, I was just like, you're, you're going to kill my kid's frontal lobe, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to zombie him out, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's not going to be able to do anything. He's not going to be able to eat, he's not going to be able to function. He's not going to be able to do anything or, or have the want to do any of that stuff. He's going to completely remove his personality. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, we, we see that a lot. I mean, you, you know, the deal, I mean, speaking to, to you and knowing those, knowing those uh, side effects of the benzo, benzodiazepines, you know what I mean? Like those, those things are hard. I mean, there's like, don't get me wrong with our opioid system. There's, there's necessities for some of that stuff, but at the same time, sure. What cannabis can do is, is not even being recognized and, and, especially in Texas right now. So that's why we had to leave. And that 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 made us medical marijuana refugees. And um, for the yeah. longest time, that term, I just, I, I hate that term. Um, my, my, my wife even tells me today, she's like, I can't believe we ever left Texas. You know what I mean? And yeah. the longest time I, was, I told her, I mean, Jesus himself would have to remove me from Texas. And, and in and of its sense, that's, that's, that's kind of what happened. You know what I mean? In the grand scheme of... What, what 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 all is there? You know, what I mean, not completely what I believe, but what all is there. So, so in moving to Colorado, uh, like so many others, like a few that you named from Texas uh, and other states, 
were you able to find medical benefits from cannabis as useful for treating your son's condition that you couldn't get here in Texas? Oh man, like um, immediately. Um, it was like really? shooting, in the, shooting in the dark to figure out what he wanted or what he needed for me. Um, man, yeah, I, I did research. I had, I'm one of those guys, Chris, like I, I do, I do, before I move my family, I'm going to do everything I need to know. I'm going to have everything I need to know drawn out. I'm going to have everything I need to do, like planned out. So I had his med card within that first week of us being there. Um, yeah, I had my driver's license and, and, and in a matter of two days of me being there, I'm, I, yeah, I knew, I knew the loopholes. I knew exactly what to do. So I signed up and I got registered. I mean, there's, 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 there's things out there that people don't know about that situation and how to get plugged in quickly. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you need to have an address, you know what I mean? And, be, and have somebody comfortable with you sending stuff to that address before you get there. You know, so you can establish a paper trail, you know, yeah. um, it's all about documentation. And and then I was able to open up a bank account as soon as I got there. So it looked like I had already already established myself. So um, there's ways to go about it. I mean, it's an, I think if people understood that there's a pathway, you just can't like just pick up and go like and just go hope that there's a, a network of people in Colorado that are going to save you. That's not real. Like, yeah. For that, I mean, I've seen a lot of people go come up here and fail, you know what I mean, and think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to, you know what I mean, the, the motherland, so to speak, and, you know what I mean, like, have health, you know what I mean, have available. But even up here, I mean, we've seen some of these laws be absolutely ridiculous. Um, Colorado Springs, you still don't have rec, um, just medical as well, you know what I mean? And so there's different pockets. I mean, I live in a city called Loveland. We don't have a dispensary in the city limits. We have liquor stores i mean i can throw a rock to every liquor store you know what yeah. I mean? but like yeah 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 so for me it was it was pretty uh, we connected with some people really early um i was actually i've been a, i've been a um um been self-healing for a while if you will so i kind of knew what i wanted to look for 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 my son okay so so what forms are you utilizing cannabis for, for um, medically? Man, we use a lot of like rosin right now, like um, um, live rosin. We we have that press. We decarb that sometimes. You know what I mean? And um, we also like his primary care physician was his first medical marijuana doctor, and um, he asked me. He was like, "Hey, Glenn, did you smoke?" And I was just like, "Man, I don't I don't know what you're talking about." You know what I mean? Yada yada. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, "Well, if you do, you know what I mean? Like, you need to administer." him um, um your smoke whenever he's having seizures it'll it'll cut the seizure time in half by like 80 to 90 yeah. percent and and i'm like what do you mean i was like yeah we'll cut it in up to half or up to 80 percent like the length of the seizure if they're intaking like cannabis smoke like you know cut it in half or cut the time down reduce the time if you will Mm -hmm. I was like, interesting. He was like, yeah, there's a 90% uptake, you know what I mean, going into your lungs, 90% um, quicker uptake as opposed to going into your liver, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's there's so many aspects of like we what we use. We use RSO, I use uh, concentrates. Concentrates are huge for us. I mean, Orion has a different situation, you know what I mean, than most other kids. He's 
Yeah. He, um, he can't chew, you know what I mean, currently. So it's not like we can just give him gummies or something like that. It, you know what I mean? It'll be yeah. easier for him. Like I have to have concentrates. I can I can administer it to his G tube or I can administer it by vapor. That's that's the two ways or on his skin. So that's yeah. three ways I can get to him. So we use yeah. all those forms. Yeah. Well, you do what you got to do, right? Right. And no, I'm just thankful we have access up here to it because. Yeah, and so everything is coordinated with his physician, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, not, well, his physician, his physician was like, Glenn, you know more about this than I do. I mean, like, what I would be giving him would be hurting him. What I could prescribe him would be hurting him. He's like, you see your kid every day. He's like, I know your background. He's like, you had to have known so much to get to where you, the level of where you are. He was like, you know exactly what you're doing. That's why you came in here. You knew what you didn't want your kid to have. You knew exactly what to tell me, so I I had to avoid other medications. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. my kids allergic to dyes. You know what I mean? Like different things like that. Um, different things you tell them that were like they they really have to research it there unless they want to just you know I mean do the cookie cutter situation. So yeah. So you you've also found employment within the industry uh, since you moved to Colorado. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Oh, man. Yeah, man. So, like, that's been a beautiful journey for me to learn um, inside the industry because I feel like I have the best of both worlds. I feel like I have um, the business side of it and then I have the parent side of it, you know what I mean, which is it's kind of gross sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, once we, I mean, I I thought it was a racket here, you know what I mean? Like, knowing, like, you know, I mean, seeing how how much I can make from trim, which a lot of people throw away yeah you know what i mean and people make shatter and, and different waxes and stuff here different concentrates here right and mm-hmm. oh my gosh like seriously for trim like pounds and pounds of trim i used to sell that it's i've i've sold oh my gosh i've sold the amount oh my gosh oh my gosh i probably sold i probably sold over a half million dollars of cannabis um different concentrates um I was um, I was on a 3,000 acre farm. I was a general manager of an extraction company there, um, selling selling CBG. Before, you know, we before it even became a thing. Yeah. Um, and that was that was amazing right there. Those those numbers um, pre 2018 uh, were were freaking amazing. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I've I've had a, I've had the benefit of working on both sides. I was a general manager of a um, dispensary as well. So I know I know the business down to the T, and that's why I can't believe Texas is charging what they're charging. <laughs> well, like, I can't I believe that, we're still as limited as what we are in Texas oh, on top of everything else. Goodness, me either. Like seriously, like, um, but I mean, my thing is like the the public testimony and stuff like that that got shut down. That that's what broke my heart the most, and it's like. If any, if there should have been any time that I should have seen like a riot, in my opinion, it should have been then. Yeah. Like that. That was the like the like I I I'm, I may have been the most upset about that in my opinion. I know there's a lot of people that didn't get to speak, didn't get to advocate for what they wanted to say, and I know there was a lot of bills that got shut down as well that were really really beneficial to what we could have made happen in Texas. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know what the main roadblock in Texas is. We all know what his name is, Dan Patrick. Yeah. 
But I mean, I, I think it's but I think it's Dan Patrick. But I mean, in that in that room, it was click. Well, yeah. Uh, in, in terms of the medical side of things, yeah, she she kind of controls the ball of wax. Yeah, it was, it you was know, and, and and at that level, like we had we had expansion for several other things, and and people say Dan Patrick, but like I know I know where 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 you know what I mean. I see those other snipers on the roof. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we need to watch out because there's other situations going on. People are thinking, oh yeah, they they started this medical program. Mm, it's a it's a highly advanced semi logical hemp program. Mm-hmm. Come on, y'all. Seriously, like, I'm not trying to downplay what it is. I'm thankful for what they've done for everybody. Yes, I agree. But like, yeah, come on. The the latest change in terminology, along with the increase from the the 0.5 percent to one percent, has has made some improvements where there are a lot more patients benefiting from it than there were. Right. Uh, plus, with the addition of the PTSD. Right. Uh, there, there's a lot more people and I know a lot of the veterans that are saying, yeah, it's working pretty good for them and uh, hallelujah. But I know an awful lot of people that it wouldn't work for. I understand. You know, uh, like, like uh, Alexis, you brought up before, uh, she relies on super high THC as a rescue. You know, if she does have a seizure and she was in Texas, she wouldn't have access to that. Right. You know, and and I believe I don't know. This is all guessing, but with uh, you know, I went out and visited the Bortels back in 2018, and uh, on their farm there in Colorado, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, we compared the story of Alexis's story and William's story, and uh, we're just telling. They basically asked me, you know, what was what was his story? So I was going through it, and as we're sitting there. Uh, Lex's mom looked at me and she said, just held her hand up. And she just said, I have to stop you right there. And I said, why? She said, well, it's, you're telling what happened, telling us what happened to Alexis in the beginning. Um, it, it, it's identical. Um, you know, the only difference was um, between William and Alexis, they started at the early age when she first started having seizures. They started trying medications right away. You know, whereas with with William, we didn't. We opted not to. So it wasn't until he started driving that he started trying medications. And that was just his own doing, his own request, because it was fear of, you know, having one behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. He didn't want he didn't want to hurt somebody else, you know, right. let alone himself. But uh, and it was when he started medications that they became like clockwork. Mm. And that same thing happened with Alexis at an early age. And the more the medications, the more medication changes, which is the same thing that happened with William. Right. Every time they changed it, whether it was the same medication and they increased the dosage or they changed medications altogether, it got worse every mm. single time, you know, until eventually it, it, you know, well, you know what the end result was. But, uh, you know, and the sad part about it was the, the part I regret uh, what drives me today is is his uh, his desire to not break the law is what kept him from trying it, right? Mm-hmm. And my lack of knowledge at the time we were having those conversations, because I didn't know then what I know now, you right. know, right. it wasn't until after he passed away 
that I started to do a little more investigating and research into the reality behind the stories like Alexis, right? And I, that's the regret I have. But, um, you know, I commend you for for taking the time and the, spending the money and uprooting your family and doing what you needed to do because you did have the knowledge. And, and you know, I wished I, I wished I had done the same thing. We, we were blessed. We were blessed. And um, it took a whole community. I mean, I, I can't I can't say that that's easy for everybody to do, but we definitely had a supportive community to be able to do that. Um, um, I, even even now, I definitely feel like that um, uh, survival's, survivor's guilt, you know what I mean, type thing. You know what I mean? That's why I definitely make it a point to come back and testify when I can and be yeah. an advocate because, I mean, Chris, I, I want to come home, you know what I mean? Like, I want to come home freely. Like, I want to come home and, and be able to medicate my kid. Like, I want to be able to come save people's lives, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm doing up here. That's what I'm able to do up here. Being a caregiver for my son and being in the industry, I know now exactly what people need and when they tell me what they need, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not a doctor by any means, but but being a caregiver and, and helping people out for, for stay alive for so long and his immunity, I mean, that's been number one. And, now having the experience I, I have, it's like, come on, people, like, I, I would love to, like, sit down and debate anyone, have the conversation, you know what I mean? Like, what, what are we what are we doing as far as, like, like, not allowing this to happen, not allowing this to be something to save our people, you know? It's... My grandmother, my grandmother died of a stroke in Texas, and, and I know I could have saved her for longer than I did, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I, I know I could have, so it's... For me, I've I've been angry about this situation, and and I, I like you like you. I try not to hold on to my anger, and I try to hold on not to hold on to my regret. Regret, but it's definitely something that drives me as well. Yeah. Um, um I can I can empathize with where you are on that situation. It's uh, it's unnecessary. Yeah. In every way, unnecessary. Right. Yeah. Well. Uh, going to get back to the, the hemp side of things here for a minute. The be, being uh, from a commercial construction background myself, uh, I'm extremely curious about the sustainable building products being developed from hemp, from hempcrete to, to this most recent thing I've been reading about, this hemp rebar reinforcing to hardwood flooring. Uh, in addition to all the textile uses there are with hemp, et cetera, uh, how are you working to further the construction industry products? Are you you working in in that industry in any way? Um, yes. Um, so we've done like our our models now for for small scale. Um, actually, <laughs> I need to probably get rid of some stuff I have outside of my on the side of my house. Actually, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I I made a hemp hempcrete bricks. You know, I wanted to see what this is like. You know what I mean? What the sustainability is. You know. Um, and I made like a one and a half by by two and a half um, by 12 inches, you know what I mean? So it's like 12 inches deep, about a foot and a half wide and about two feet wide, uh, two feet long. Okay. And it's been it's been on the elements for, oh, goodness, almost uh, almost a year and a half now. You know, my mm-hmm. four year old, my five year old now, you know, runs on it, steps on it, plays on it. He's kicked it, you know, what I mean? punched it. And I, I basically told him to go to town, you know what I mean? Go to town. I need I need to see what this is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's raw. It doesn't have the plastering on the outside covering. So yeah. I, I wanted to see what, what a kid could do to it, you know what I mean? Like 
how 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 sturdy is this stuff you know um so we we know that it's not structural um we know that um hemp plastics are moldable now um uh, we know that hemp is stronger than steel we've known this stuff we know all this stuff so anytime you can mold it we have guys up here that are molding different things right now they're molding rolling trays they're molding um, uh, uh, food trays, um, different things with hemp rosin and hemp plastics. Um, hemp epoxies are going to be a thing. Uh, we're going to see in the next five years, we're going to see a hemp plastic like epoxy resin come out that we're going to be able to build houses out of 3D printers. Um, I, that, I had a feeling that was coming. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to that's gonna come. We are also going to um, see a... a uh, by by my hands at least, we're going to see a renewable project that um, allows us to renew one of the one of the worst um, materials that we we believe to have on Earth. Um, um, yeah, that's that's as much as I'll say about that right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have a um, RFP um, that I'm about to introduce to the city um, here in Loveland. Um, we have a project that we're trying to get off the ground outside of Austin um, with some land to build 2,000 square foot homes. Um, the price, the pricing of that is amazing, and I don't use any wood or steel in that process to build that home. And hmm. we want those fully sustainable because we can do that now. We should have been doing that. Um, the thing with the construction that I'll tell you about that this is near and dear to my heart or why I have skin in the game. Um, I was homeless in sixth and seventh grade. And so for me, there's no reason now with all the technology and as many smart people that we have in the world, quote unquote, um, that this should be a thing. Um, yeah. Now I know there's 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 regulations in, in place. You know what I mean? There's people that will slap your hand if you try to do things. You know what I mean? That, I didn't know that when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to save the world. Mm -hmm. you, know, people, you don't know whenever you get older, you know what I mean? People start to slap your hand whenever you go to actually get to work. And so that's. That's the process I'm working through right now. Um, I'm working on trying not to get my hand slapped too much. Yeah. Uh, but there's 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 hurdles and obstacles, and this is this is definitely a world that has been dominated by a certain culture that don't doesn't like a brazen guy like me. So I'm having to tread lightly, and at the same time, get them to understand that I'm I'm definitely here to change the status quo. So yeah. it's like a it's like a beautiful yin and yang situation, and and I'm trying to dance as beautifully as I can. You know the yeah. deal. Yeah. You know the deal on projects and every, come on now. Yeah. Pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Gramps Place. The podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. So, so you do see hemp building products as a serious part of the future of construction, then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have we have to. Um, it doesn't make any sense for it not to be. Um, yeah. The way, the way we can do things, the way we can print, uh, the, the, the technologies that need to marry right now are so close. They're, they're like in courtship type situation right now, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and once people see what we can do, what can marry marry it together, I have a um six uh six inch by six foot by six foot um cellular concrete pad that i poured just the other day 
well, not just the other day, it's been about eight months, because um, I wanted to see what that technology is like, right? So I was like, okay, if we don't have structural technology over here, then what, what's the structural capabilities that we have to offer? Mm -hmm. like, how can we make this happen? How can we introduce solar, concrete, you know what I mean? How can we do this? And we have, we have, we have everything we need, you know what I mean, to really provide for the people. All we need to do is bring the smart people to, together with the really clever people. Uh, and so that's that's where I believe that um, I'm in between I'm in between those lines, trying to just recruit and gather the right people right now. Um, you've seen that I've been trying to really like push that brand and push that that market out there for people to come together and understand this, and yeah. at the same time realizing like, oh man, like I'm getting my hand slapped. That's that's what this is, you know, like yeah. yeah. You you know the the commercial construction industry, which is my side of things. Uh, the the big push these days are for panelized construction, right? Right. So I have, I actually have it on paper, a concept for a panelized, utilizing both metal stud framing and hempcrete, a prefab panelized with a plaster finish panel. I just, there's not enough testing involving hempcrete out there yet that I've been able to find. I think there is. Well, then you and I probably need to talk outside of this podcast a little bit, maybe, <laughs> because uh, that's what's been holding me up. I've just been waiting to see the testing data yeah. that I can use to, to put it together. You know, right. I, the concept, I know it'll work. You know, it's just a matter of getting A, the, all the parts, A, B, and C, put them together, and then selling it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so, <laughs> yeah. When do you, uh, when and if do, do you see Texas coming around on the whole cannabis issue as far as full-blown adult use? We ever going to get there? Um, let's see. We got governor races every four years, right? Yeah. Um, we have 2022. This this year, right? Or next year? This year, yeah. This year we got 2022 and then we got 2026. Um, I don't know. Um, if, if it's not, um, we, we're going to have to get the current situation out of there if we really want legal or decriminalization in a real legalization situation across the board. Yeah. Um, they just don't understand it. Those guys just don't get it. Um, well, or, or unless they're in someone's pocketbook. I'm trying to figure out one of the two, Chris. I, I mean, well, I one. think a lot of it in terms of... Uh, from the lieutenant governor's position anyway, it has to do with the, the pocketbook side of things. I right. think the, the private prison industry is a very big donor, you right. know, and of course you don't want to take one of their, their bread and butter. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's why they have nonviolent criminals all over Texas. You know what I mean? Like it's been a thing like we, Texas has been a thing for like that for a while. I mean, like I said, I, I know exactly. I, I know the business side of that. <laughs> Being a former <laughs> correction officer, you know what I mean. I, was, I, was I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know the numbers side of that, which is which is gross. You know what I mean? Like for for me, like that is like wow. Oh, when you really look at at the amount of money, even on even on cases that are pled out, that that they take plea deals on, right? Mm -hmm. you, you look at the amount of money from the moment of arrest to the time that, that plea is entered in and it's a done deal. The amount of money just to that point that the state spends to get that plea for what? Right. 
right? And literally, like from for something that in another state, they'd be like, okay, uh, you are going three miles over the speed limit. You need to slow down. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, there's there's, I have no earthly idea like what what is really going on. It's it's some sort of, it's almost it's almost blackmail. Seriously, if I if I cross imaginary lines, and I'm a living breathing man, which I can freely travel. I'm not doing any com- commerce, you know what I mean? You're not doing anything commercially. I don't have a commercial vehicle, you know what I mean? I'm not doing any any type of business on the road. I'm going from point A to point B of my abode. And I don't think that there's a third party that has any any type of power to what I have or, or contract to, to, to anything of my property, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I was raised in Texas. I mean, those, they raise us different out there, so it's like, I know exactly what you guys have right to and what you don't have right to. And then when mm-hmm. you get older, you realize where people try to slap your hand and like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's not how I taught that this is, you know what I mean? Like you guys are a third party and I'm I'm free to travel as a free man, you know? Nine times out of 10, I have something on me. Yeah. You know I mean, like I have to, I have to for my kid. Like I'm mm-hmm. a caregiver, you know? I have yeah. to, I am, I am. By the state of Colorado, I am a legal caregiver for the state. You can look me up. I am actually in a directory. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh my goodness, like I would love to fight any cases that, that come up. I would, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. So what about the federal level? Uh, what, you think we'll see descheduling anytime soon? Because that's really what needs to happen. They just need to deschedule it and be done with it. So they're not going to do it at the federal level either. I think that's a big tease as well. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, unless unless we have a, a, a lot bigger, I think we have to be closer to like in the 40s of the states uh, going going either some type of cannabis legalization or or medical use. Um, right now, it's it's just too much in the balance, and there's too many people making money off of it, mm-hmm. um, and and people don't realize like on both sides on both sides of the fence. Like you said earlier, I was about to say private prison system. Mm-hmm. You wanna go look and see like who's really invested in the situation. Go look to see who gets money. Go look to see the, these donations and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. That That's an easy point to see where they're gonna vote in their in their area and where they're not gonna vote. I mean, yeah. money changes everything. That, that's what they tell us about, you know, advocating down in Texas. Like, oh, you need money money to throw at it what i gotta have money to throw at a at a situation to where i want to have my pursuit of happiness i want to live in pursuit of happiness and then i have to throw money at a situation i want to grow some plants in my backyard oh you know i mean why, why is that so difficult yeah i use the pursuit of happiness because that's in that's in that first you know what i mean first amendment that's a mm-hmm. part people don't realize as well. We we always forget, you know. What I mean, that's a part of of all of it. You know, what I mean, this is this is in my pursuit of happiness. You know what I mean? To yeah. give my family and my son the best trajectory of this world. We have to detox from whatever they're spraying in the skies, from whatever they're putting in our waters, and whatever they're trying to pass us off as food. You know, yeah. so I have yeah. <laughs> whatever means possible for our endogenous cannabinoid system, which is a biological system. Mm-hmm. God-given system. So another another reason why 
a third party should not have any access. I mean, this is this is religious space as far as I'm concerned. You well, know? you know, they they won an argument at the Supreme Court. Of course, this all could change here pretty quick soon with these new laws they've passed. They won an argument in the 70s at the Supreme Court about abortion because you can't deny a person a medical procedure. Right. You know, it's it's an inalienable right to medical care, right? right? And that's what they classify that procedure as, as medical care, even though a lot of people don't agree and they don't even want to open that whole can of worms up. Right. Just brought it up from the fact that they made that decision. Well, in my opinion, this plant is medicine, so it's no different. It should be oh, yeah. an inalienable right oh, yeah. for everyone who chooses to use it to be able to. We do. I, this is where I like to ask a lot of people, like, do you have and an, answer, answer this question for me. Do you have a recreational nervous system? No. No, you just have a nervous system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We don't have a recreational endogenous cannabinoid system. It's mm-hmm. just an endogenous cannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. This idea of whether or not it's a recreational or adult use or whatever. No, whatever built us, whatever designed us, whatever created us, designed us with specific receptors for this plant. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that, 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 that issue is mute to me, like... You you can't come in between that like it's it's a biological it's a biological situation like so um, yeah unless you're a doctor that is is trying to like intervene in my life which you still have no power to then mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I'll hear you out at the same time I'll know that you probably didn't get this in school you didn't get these studies in school either no and like I know so like it's it's you have a whole biological system that you don't even know about. And you won't even listen to a guy that's telling you about a whole different system that's inside your body that you weren't educated on. So it's sometimes an ego issue on on both sides as well. That's still a major, major part of, I think, where our attack needs to come from is the education side of things. You know, they're still not teaching it in medical school. I mean, we discovered this in the 90s, the early 90s. My sister, my sisters went over it a little bit. She just became an RN, and she said they okay. went over it a little bit in in um, in, uh, in nursing school. Did they? So, okay. Yeah, so they're they're starting to go over it in nursing school because it's starting to be it's starting to be a thing. You're starting to see it right and left. Um, you just you're just starting to see it uh, more available, and people need to understand it because it is a biological system. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. That you know, I, out there. I had to. I, that's good to hear because I, I I had a. A little episode back, oh shoot, it's been a couple of years ago now, uh, where they, they ended up keeping me, turned out there were no major issues, it was just some kind of fluke deal, but they ended up keeping me overnight in the cardiac uh, ICU, hmm. and they asked me, did I use any drugs or anything recreational, and of course, they're keeping you in a cardiac ICU, okay, I'm going to tell you everything, right? right. So, right. you know, I said, I said, I use cannabis. And I said, how do you use it? I said, and use it in multiple ways, you know. <laughs> I yeah. said, that. I use it therapeutically. And I said, I use it what, what you would call recreationally. I said, you know, so uh, however you want to look at it. But I, just being up front with you. Well, rather than just saying, you know, we need, we need to do a urine analysis for one reason or another. They said, we got to uh, 
keep track of your outflow and your in, intake and your outflow, which I'd had that told to me in the hospital before, you know. So they bring in the little urinal thing and say, you know, if you pee, pee in this. So I did. And they came in, they took it, and they never brought it back. And I thought, that, you know, I thought at that point, something up with that, right? <laughs> you know. Yes, when you get that little flag. Like, yeah, I said, oh, that's okay. that, why that little sneaky little, you know. So anyway, then I get checked out, you know, and you get all your paperwork when you get checked out the next day. I mean, they, they ran me through some more tests and stuff, figured out everything was fine. And I went to discharge me the next day, and I'm, I'm riding home. The wife's driving me home. And I'm reading, flipping through the paperwork, my discharge paperwork, and there it is, drug screen, urine analysis, positive, marijuana. I thought, oh, you, I told you. Why would you have to test me, you little, you know? Well, now it's in that medical record, you know. No okay, whatever, whatever. Well, <laughs> no. ridiculous so, the way they, they, they try to document it all. Oh, it's it's crazy. I, and especially if the person's up front and tells you what it, I mean, if I told you that, I would have told you anything else there might have been, too. Right. You know, I have nothing to hide if I'm telling you one thing. That's my <laughs> thought process on it anyway. But evidently, they just wanted to check and make sure that was all there was, I guess. <laughs> I'm one of those guys, too. You know what I mean? Like, shoot, I'll tell you exactly what I have. Or why I don't I have. have a problem telling you what I do. If you don't like it, you don't have to like it. I don't I do not do it in my front yard, out in front of your face. You know, I'm not Dang. flaunting it. You know, I'm not, if I'm not hurting you or anybody else, you know what I mean? And guess Thank what? You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like the saying can... goes, the crime that has no victim. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, speaking of that crime, once we get there, when we get there, and we have legal markets everywhere across the U.S., and uh, the states and the feds getting their nice little revenue stream off of it, shouldn't we take part of that revenue and reinvest it into programs similar to what I, I use the SBA as an example? Uh, but strictly for the people who have been directly negatively impacted by the prohibition of this plant who want to get into the industry. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there's a, there should be a huge part of that because now it's, it's a, if you look at the people who are the business owners and who are the movers and shakers of this, um, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, it's, it's whitewashed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I know there's different cultures and different, like, California, like, you know, I mean, they've had roots out there for a long time. Sure. There's, there's also been, like, a, a culture for a long time who established the ground roots for this, who, who created the communities, who had created the culture around it. They're mm-hmm. getting used and, and abused, if you will, and, and they're hand-slapped. Like I said, they're hand-slapped. Like, well, no, you, you can only do this much, or, or we'll use your ideas for this much, you know? Yeah. It's your energy, you know. I mean, there's there's a, there's a company out there in Abilene that, that did that kind of stuff to me. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, come on, man. Like, if we're gonna do everything, then put put me in on actual contract. You know what I mean? Pay me what I'm worth. You know what I mean? Don't just use people for for what their knowledge is, and then go off and do your own thing. Like, that's not cool. That's that's bad karma. You know? And I think that's exactly what's happening across the board. We're seeing we're seeing people who are we're rich who can now get into this industry um, doing it but then we see so many people who are locked up for nonviolent crimes 
directly related to this in some way, shape, form, or fashion. There was access to this, and people knew the benefits of it. They wouldn't have to do a lot of the other situations to to seek medical help. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a cultural issue as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there's a natural distrust for for the medical industry and for the pharma pharmacology. I mean, that's it's pharmacopoeia has been a witchcraft for a long time. You know what I mean? And <laughs> <laughs> people don't realize. I mean, that that's where that's where the dangers are. You know, like. Some natural stuff that happens with this earth, you know what I mean, on this earth, and and you don't want to cross that up with what your body really needs. So be yeah. careful. Be careful. You know. Yeah, I think the, the 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 social equity side of it is very important, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's just, huge. There's I only mean, a couple, there's only a couple of states that are actually paying attention to it. Yeah, and, it, it needs to be it needs to be paid attention to more, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then like whenever these dispensaries move into a neighborhood, they need to be uh, like uh, like Oklahoma. I, I love what they did with Oklahoma. It has to be 51 percent. Your your dispensary or anything that you grow or anything tied to the cannabis industry had to be 51 percent Oklahoma owned. So yeah. a resident resident of Oklahoma has to own 50, 51 percent of the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. So that way you don't have people coming in from your other states and like just taking over the situation and and mobbing, you know, I mean, doing business moves to make you the minority again in a different way and shift you yeah. out of the situation. Because they've even, they've even, it was two years, uh, two years residency was the minimum. Now it's five. They they just upped that a couple of years ago, back up to now you have to live there for five years right. before you can be that 51% ownership too. Oklahoma? Mm hmm. Nice. Yeah. I was working at a, um, a um, a, almost like a church in in Colorado Springs and our sacrament was was cannabis so you come in and like you know I mean it's a space to like do your little sacrament you can hang out relax you know what I mean like Rastafari Mm -hmm. so it's it's a major donation to the church you know what I mean and and you get to enjoy the space and so like I've I've helped people um navigate that world um and it's 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 an it's interesting it's uh it's heavy it's a different it's a different realization it's a it's a um it's a chance to live vicariously through people even though you don't want to uh, yeah. and and to see to see the appreciation for life but not really fully breathe all the aspects of it you know what i mean yeah. Um, so that's why I mean I'm, I'm I'm fully appreciative of where I am, but at the same time I'm I'm it breaks my heart that, that more people haven't had access to it for cancer, for these every every situation known to man that's a health issue actually. So I mean I've I've had people who've been blown up seven times by you know I mean different tours that they've been on, yeah. and like guys that I know that's probably going to pass out every 45 minutes, especially while he's medicating, you know, like, and, and he doesn't want to sit down all the time because he's, he's, he's a Marine, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's not a guy that just going to live on his, on his behind. So it's like a, it's a different situation. You have to be, um, empathetic and at the same time realize there's a, there's, there's a lot of people out there who, who needs it from a neurological standpoint? And the longer we go without it, it it it's going to 
uh, upset people who have who have seen and helped a lot of people um, through that, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what can people do uh, here in Texas and other states to try to push this issue and 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 push for change? What what, are, what can we do that we're not doing? I think we need to get involved. I mean, get involved with the um, um, local level um, as much as possible. There's little spots all over Texas who are trying to decriminalize small amounts and stuff like that. I see that happening. DAs here and there saying, hey, I won't prosecute for this, I won't prosecute for that. So they need to all get together and put pressure on those other, other cities that aren't doing it. Um, because we, we, we have too much of an army. We have too big of an army now. Like, like from from the Panhandle all the way down to the coast, people know that there's been people who have been affected positively and negatively by cannabis, negatively by situations involving law enforcement, positively by it being a health benefit situation to where their family, their loved ones have been saved by it or helped help them transition to the other side. So for me, it's it's a it's a it's a situation to where we 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 need to educate on the lower level. We have to get involved. We have to tell these people, we have to tell our DAs what we're willing to do and how we're willing to remove them if they don't pay attention to this fact. Um, and that that's where I am. It's, it's at the DA's office. It's it, We have to vote people in at that office, at that level that know, hey, this is revenue generating. Yeah. This is actually not a crime. Um, so it actually doesn't fall into that jurisdiction. Um, it, it, we have to have a victim in order to have a crime and so if we're trying to go with victim against the state, then we've actually cheated a lot of people. And once those people realize what happened and come back and sue the state, we'd have a real big problem. So yeah. it's it's education. It's education on the lowest level, in, in my opinion. Yeah, we uh, we actually had a uh, decriminalized Denton kickoff yesterday, petition drive kickoff yesterday in downtown Denton I spoke at. Uh, that I think that's that's the key we're doing right now. A lot of a lot of cities are in ground game. Texas is going around organ orchestrating a lot of it. Uh, the city by city decrim efforts, you know, to get it on the ballot on the city ballot this that year. Happen. Yeah, that needs to happen because like just like uh, states' rights, you know what I mean. We have these municipal situations that are, you know what I mean, that are that are. Um, I forget the term. I just lost the term, but um, home rule, if you will, mm-hmm. home rule stuff situation. So, like, if it's if it's a home rule situation, and we go to these municipalities, and then guess what? We can we can have home rule in a lot of these situations. Yeah, like, there's, there's no reasons why why Texas could come in at a whole. They made it. They made it all private. You know what I mean? And now mm-hmm. it's going to come back and backfire on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you made this all private and corporate. So let's make it happen. Well, that's my thing. You know, if we can get enough cities to get it on the ballot this year and enough cities pass it this year, going into the session in 2023, that's going to give us a lot of leeway, a lot of leverage. Oh, yeah. You All know, right. toward, to the legislature and whoever the, the, the lieutenant governor and governor happen to be after 2022, which we probably know who that's going to be. But, <clears throat> you know, because... I mean, after all, this is Texas. It's hard to get much change to happen at that level, you know. 
without something drastic happening. Yeah, I think I may be the drastic thing happening in 2026. Yeah. yeah. Like well, it, I think what's going to happen is Governor Abbott is going to win re-election this, this go-round. Uh, I think that's going to be a hands-down thing. And I honestly think if we could get a bill to his desk, he would sign it because he likes taking credit for things. It's getting it through Dan Patrick and through the Senate is where we keep hitting the, the major roadblocks. See, yeah, I don't... I. I I think I think it's it's a collective, you know what I mean? Like he he has influence over Dan Patrick. We can't act like they operate in silos, cause they don't. Yeah. And and so like for him to like just say, oh well, well it's up to them. That's kind of hand office, you know, hand hands office. You know what I mean? That's that's that mob mentality. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what I would do if I was big boss and I didn't want to piss off, you know what I mean, a couple of other families. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you guys, you guys figure that out on your own, and then and then whoever's the top, whoever could be benefiting the most, is the person that's going going to actually have the final word on it. Because uh, yeah, yeah. But but I also think that that we, we we all know anybody in the United States don't see this, then then they're not paying attention. But Abbott's got his eyes on bigger bigger positions than where he's at right now, and. If he had the opportunity to put a feather in his cap, he's going to take it. You know what I mean? I, I understand that. I understand, <clears throat> I understand that there's a lot of politicians it, who attempt to do that. But. That's kind of where I was going with that, too. I think, you know, he's going to get elected. I think that's no question. But I think he's going to probably, it depends on what Trump does, I think. But I think he's going to probably throw his hat in the ring for the presidential nomination if Trump doesn't. Yeah, and I, I contrary to what a lot of people believe, I don't think Trump's actually made up his mind yet. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for joining me on here, Glenn. Uh, it's been been a good conversation. Thank you. Likewise, likewise, man. I, I greatly appreciate you for inviting me on this time to talk. Grand place podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything with facts and first-hand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.